So I am excited about Luke chapter 15. It's been something that's been brewing for a while, and I just think it's going to be healthy for us to get like this this new perspective, this change on how God sees lost things. And and, and just to kind of like set this up a little bit, uh, we're going to we're going to take 3 weeks um, and we're going to study uh, lost and found things. So in, in Luke chapter 15, you have three different parables taught by Christ, all in one sermon. The first parable is about the lost sheep. The second parable is about the lost coin. And the third parable is about the lost son, or we know it as the prodigal son. And we're going to kind of go through these and learn some things. And I think that some of your presumptions may be shattered, and some of the way that you might look at things may change, I'm hoping. And I think that it's really important for us to to see things the way that I think Christ was looking at these when he was teaching these, because we can't bunch all of these things up into one thing. I do think it's pretty cool that Jesus in chapter 14 of Luke just got done teaching about how difficult it is to be a follower of Christ. He just got through loading them up and just saying, here's what it's going to cost you. Here's what it's going to take to follow me. And then he ends the chapter with this cool little phrase. He said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. So he's saying, you know, you, you, you might not have gotten that, but if you're listening for something, you probably got it. And can I, say, can, I, can I just say the same thing to you this morning? Like if we have ears to hear, then let's hear what God has to say. Because here's what's cool. When you read, when you begin verse, uh, chapter 15, the first couple verses, you see that Jesus Christ is addressing two different types of listeners in one audience. And let's pick them out here in verses 1 and 2. Then drew near to him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Now, just like pause here with me for a second so I can identify these two groupings of people. You have publicans and sinners. And they don't, you know, and we, publicans doesn't mean a whole lot to us because we just think of like, oh, yeah, those are the other ones other than the Democrats, right? So you had publicans that were despised by the multitude because they had sold themselves out to the Roman government. They were the tax collectors of the day, and they had the ability to charge whatever rates they wanted to on the people. So they collected taxes, and they had a quota that they had to meet, but they could upcharge whatever they wanted to. So, And and there was nothing the people could do. They had to pay their taxes even if it was unjust. Boy, I want to get political right now. But they had to pay their taxes, and so you saw these publicans living incredibly well off the backs of their fellow countrymen. So they had a lot, but they had no respect, and they were hated by the people. And then you had the sinners, and, and, you know, yeah, I, I get it, all right? We've all done stupid stuff. We've all sinned. We're all, we all got that going on, so we could all put ourselves there. But let me, let me just clarify something. When they mentioned sinners here, what they were specifically talking about were those Jewish people that were in the audience that were living their life outside of the Jewish religious system. So they, they were not part of keeping all the laws and everything that normally went on. And so they were living their lives outside of that religious system. 
Then you had a second group of people here, and it says, And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So you have, you have the Pharisees, and they were experts at the law. They knew exactly how many steps you could take on the Sabbath day. I mean, there was, there was all kinds of rules that they placed. I think we counted over 630 rules that they created to try and define the Ten Commandments so that everybody knew exactly how to obey the Ten Commandments. And they were very careful and very exact about all of that. And they were doing everything they could to make sure that everybody else did. And they used that as the measuring rod to to form an opinion about everybody else's relationship with God. And so you had the public, the, the, the the Pharisees and the scribes that were the other part of the audience. Let me, let me just see two very different responses here. So you had the publicans and the sinners, the Bible says, actually came to hear Jesus. They drew near to hear, right? Whereas the scribes and Pharisees, the Bible says that they murmured, saying, this man receives sinners, and that is exactly what you think it means, that if you look up the word in the original text as close as we can get, it just means to take into oneself. So he brings in sinners very closely. Now you understand why the scribes and Pharisees had a hard time with that, because they're trying to make a point saying, if you don't do God like we do God, you're not right with God. And yet here is Jesus, this, this notable teacher that is spending time with and inviting in these people who are outside of the religious system that they have created. So you have those who are drawing near to him and those who are murmuring against him. And I love what the word murmuring means. It means indignantly complaining. Sounds like the church lady. So Jesus takes in these sinners to himself. And the Bible even says that he ate with them. And what is significant here to me is that Jesus had personal relationships with people who were outside of the religious system of the day. Does that ring any bells with you? Does that, are you saying, oh, okay, that means that I'm supposed to be friends with people who don't go to church with me? Yes! Exactly what we're saying. Well, that means that I probably need to get involved in my community. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Oh, that means that I should get to know my neighbors. Yes. The idea is that Jesus Christ had personal relationship, close involvement to the point of sitting across the table from them and eating with them and conversing with them. And so what Jesus does is he, he decides then to try and communicate to the scribes and Pharisees why he is doing what he's doing. This is why I came. So I'm going to give you three parables or stories that people can relate to to try and teach a lesson about how heaven feels about lost people compared to how men feel about lost people. I had a real aha moment this week. So I'm reading through here, right? And I'm seeing the, the shepherd 
going out and seeking the lost sheep. I'm seeing the woman who lost a coin moving furniture, doing whatever she can to try and find this lost coin. And then I see the father staying at home and waiting for his son to return. And it was hard for me to reconcile that. Because what I want to do when I'm putting together a series like this is have some continuity, right? To, to say, well, see, here in this situation, here's what happened, and it happened again in this situation, and it happened again in this situation, but it didn't. Jesus messed it like all up. So here's, here's was my aha moment this week. My aha moment was the sheep wandered off, right? There's no malicious intent. The sheep just went astray. So the shepherd went looking for him. The coin got lost by accident. So the woman went looking. The son made the decision to leave. And for me, that, and I'm not saying that the father shouldn't have gone. I'm not saying that I wouldn't go looking for my own kid. I'm just saying that there's a big difference between wandering off and getting lost by accident and making a decision to walk away. There's, there's a difference. In, and then so when you see the different responses, then I think that that's why. Because, yeah, they're all lost, but they all left for different reasons. So what I'd like to do is just take a look for the next couple of verses here and just kind of read through this kind of verse by verse and come out with some truths and maybe some lessons that we can learn just from the next three or four verses here in Luke chapter 15 about this lost sheep. So here Jesus starts the story in chapter, chapter 15, verse 4. It says, what man of you, I love that he assumes that everybody would be doing this. He invites the audience in. What, or, or your Bible may say, which of you? What man of you, having a hundred sheep, and that was a a normal size herd in those days. Fuck, I'm sorry. I'm from Texas. We have herds. Having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine where? Nice and safe in the pen? In the wilderness. He leaves them in the wilderness And go after that which is lost until he find it. Notice what's not mentioned here. What's not mentioned here is why the sheep left. He's just gone. What's not mentioned here is what the sheep did wrong. Which is what we want to identify all the time. What's not mentioned here is who was to blame. All that is mentioned here is the sheep is gone. You know what I just love? I love that he noticed that they were gone. I love the fact that the shepherd noticed that one out of a hundred was missing. What I'd like to do is pull out a few lessons here. So lesson number one, Jesus doesn't focus on the sin of the sheep in the story. He focuses on, and I know this isn't a word, but he focuses on the lostness of the sheep. He's just gone. He doesn't focus on What the sheep did wrong. He doesn't focus on the sin. He just focuses in this story. The sheep's gone. He's lost. Jesus just wants to get the sheep back. We can deal with why he left after he gets back, but we got to get him first. And by the way, I don't think there was any malicious intent done by the sheep here. I don't feel like the sheep was hiding behind a bush waiting for the shepherd and the flock to leave. 
were trying to wander off without anybody seeing them. Let me tell you how that sheep wandered off. He nibbled his way to being lost. And if I stopped right here, that ought to be enough, right? Because just think about this. How many of us know people? They just missed a Sunday. And then two, got busy, right? I mean, didn't crack, crack, I haven't cracked my Bible open for like a week now. And, you know, you nibble your way to getting lost. I mean, can you see the sheet, right? You're not paying attention. You know what's on that sheep's mind? That next blade of grass. That's it. He's not looking at the weather, the terrain. He's not worried about where they're going to water next. That sheep is worried about the next blade of grass in front of his nose. He doesn't see the big picture. And then he stops, and he looks around. He's not with the flock anymore. Man, that gut punches me. Because I don't think most people indignantly walk away from God. I think they nibble their way to getting lost. Second lesson I learned here is that the shepherd initiated the search. The shepherd didn't sit back and say, well, we're just going to wait right here for that sheep to return. That sheep knows better. 99, 99. If any of you see the sheep, let me know and tell him where we are. Here's what I want you sheep to do. Let's all bat really loud and maybe the sheep will hear us and come back. No, you know what Jesus did? Jesus went out and he looked for the sheep. He didn't stay with the 99 trying to rouse them up into a great chorus. Jesus went out and left those sheep to specifically look for one lost sheep. He went after him until he found him. Jesus is trying to get the Pharisees to understand these folks right here that you are criticizing me for spending time with, I came to get them. I I mean, they are why I am here. Verse 5, and love this. And when he was found, or when he had found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Can you picture that? I don't see Jesus at, get over here. That's how I am with our dog. She comes back, what? Dumb thing. Just like a sheep, right? So it's, Jesus goes out, finds that sheep, puts the sheep on his shoulders and carries that sheep all the way back home. Now, I don't know if the sheep was injured Maybe the sheep was too weak, or maybe he was just too dumb to follow the shepherd back home. But not only did the shepherd initiate the search, the shepherd went out and picked the sheep up and did whatever was necessary. He carried the sheep until the sheep got back home. And I love that shepherd. 
verse 6. <laughs> and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Now compare that response to the murmuring of the religious crowd, right? There was something significant about that portion of Scripture that says, I am rejoicing that this, I'm sure that Jesus was still happy that all the other sheep were there, but there was something that made the shepherd awfully happy about getting that sheep back. And then he compares the, that one lost sheep to a lonely sinner. He says this, and I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over ninety and nine just persons. Your Bible might say righteous persons which need no repentance. Now, I can just, you know, they all needed repentance. All right. Jesus was just trying to compare and be a little maybe tongue-in-cheek, sarcastic, looking at the Pharisees and the scribes saying, yeah, you know, you, you people who don't need any repentance, because we all need repentance. So I don't know if you see yourself more as the one this morning, or if you see yourself as the 99, I don't know. But we were all the one at one time. And even if you think you are the 99, we still probably ought to get a little bit closer to the shepherd, right? So here's what I like to do is just glean just three quick lessons from this portion of Scripture. So what we're saying is this. Number one, people matter to God, and they should matter to us. God bless you. People matter to God, (laughs) and they should matter to us. So I don't know who you have relationships with. And I don't know who you are going after, but somewhere in your sphere of influence, there are people who have wandered off, right? They've nibbled their way. They've, they've just kind of let things slide. I really don't think it was intentional. I really don't think it was malicious. I really don't think they just slammed the Bible and walked away. I really feel like in all of our lives, there are those people who just wandered off. Now, next week, we'll address those that just got lost by accident. And then the final week, we'll, we'll address those that made the intentional decision to walk away, and maybe how we can be a part of that story. But, but you understand, we, if we look at our sphere of influence, the people that you rub shoulders with, maybe they're a family member, maybe they're a distant family member, maybe it's a son, maybe, I don't know, maybe, it is, maybe it's a daughter that's made some bad decisions, maybe, it is a, maybe, it's, maybe it's a distant relative, or maybe it's just a good friend, or somebody that you rub shoulders with, that you have influence over, and you can see the fact that it's not like they made the decision to walk away, they've just kind of nibbled their way away from God and away from the shepherd, and they're out there. I believe this. I believe it wasn't their intention. But they matter to God, and they ought to matter enough to us to do something about it. I saw this as well, that the shepherd made the effort to go, and so should we. Now, listen, I think we got a great church. I mean, I love what God is doing here. I love how we love each other. I love the buzz that we have. Um, that could be taken the wrong way. I love the excitement that we have. How about, I'm not saying you guys are all buzzed when you come to church. I'm just, 
I love the excitement that we have. Loosen up, people. Come on. We have a great church. This is a, this is a good thing we got going on here. God's blessing. I really enjoy seeing, this, seeing what, what, what's happening and hearing the stories and all of that. But let me tell you this. I'm more excited about people really falling in love with Jesus. Rather than coming to church. And I know you think, well, I'm the pastor. Yeah, I mean, can I have both? Right? Can I have them fall in love with Jesus and come to church? But if I had to choose, I'd rather them fall in love with Jesus because I really think that that's a more sustainable relationship because every one of us have the potential to be jerks and hurt their relationship with Christ. I believe this. I think the biggest reason, number one reason, this is my opinion, that somebody comes to Jesus or returns back to Jesus is by some kind of personal invitation. I think it's, it's you, you leaving the 99, you, you rubbing shoulders with them, you getting in their lives, you having coffee with them, connecting with them, mentoring them, just investing yourself in the life. And here's the thing. We have become professional churchgoers, but we're not good shepherds. Like, we are really good at setting our alarm and coming to church. But what I'm saying is that when you leave here, before, between now and before next Sunday, is there anybody out there that's wandered off that you are connected with that has nothing to do with this church? That's what I'm talking about. They were important to God, and they need to be important to us. The shepherd went after them, and so should we. And if the number one reason somebody comes to Jesus is from a personal invitation, then that means I need to be in their lives to invite. I also believe this, the number one reason someone continues to stay connected with Jesus is through relationship. And I think these can be flipped. I think people come to Jesus because of relationship. And I think then they can stay connected with them with personal limitation. I mean, it's like I feel like there is something here that the religious system is just missing. And that is being real with your coworkers. Having a good relationship with people and not being a jerk. Where you work. That's a great bumper sticker. Right? I love Virginia Hills Church. Don't be a jerk where you work. <laughs> but it's like, I'm serious. I, because I feel like we, we, we focus on our relationship with Christ and we come to church and, and we're trying to get this thing figured out and we're, we're forging ahead and we're trying to take care of our family and, and, and tell them about Jesus and all that kind of stuff. And that's as far as it goes. And I just feel like in our life, in, in, in and around our sphere of influence, there are those that have nibbled their way away from God, and they're, they've wandered, they've strayed. There was nothing malicious about it. And we ought to build relationships with them. There ought to be something happening on a, on a regular basis. You ought to have good friendships with people who don't go to church. Can I get more clear than that? 
You need to have them over to the house. You need to have dinner with them. You need to communicate with them. They need to be your friends, not your unsaved friends, but your friends that you have a relationship with. You need to interact with them because it's that personal relationship and that personal invitation that's going to create an easy pathway to get back to the fold. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I'll tell you what it looks like for me. And I, and I don't like to really cross this while I'm speaking at all, but, but pastoring is not all I do, right? So, like, I am also a full-time real estate agent. And I hate to even mention that because now that's all you're going to think about the rest of the message. But it is a great career to make friends. I love doing what I do. I love both of my careers. And I'll tell you what I love the most about them is that they just sync so well together. And I am, I'm not a churchy guy. I'm really not. I just, I just enjoy people. I just like them. For the most part. I do have a list, but I just like working with people. And so what happens, right, is we just talk. And we talk about the Lord. We talk about church. We talk about whatever. I mean, it just kind of happens. I got to eat with my coworkers. I have a good relationship with them. I'm just a real guy. And I don't know what God's going to do. I really don't. I mean, the church is growing, and we're doing well, and it's taking up so much of my time. But I just, I don't see myself ever not doing real estate. And, and the reason is, that is, that is, there's, there's, there's like, you know how it is. Like, if everybody knows you're a pastor, they all stop talking when you walk in a room. Uncomfortable, right? So, like, I don't, I don't want that wall up. I don't want people to see me as, as the pastor, the reverend. I don't want people to see me that way. I, I'm just Eric. Because if I'm Eric, we can be friends, and, and I can be in your life, you can be in my life, and we can do life together. That's what I'm interested in. I just want to be a real guy. That's what I love about my other life. <laughs> and if I'm just like the pastor guy, that means everywhere I go, people just see me as the pastor. But there are, I was, I was having a meeting the other day, uh, at Starbucks with, with some clients. I, I had one meeting with a client, and then right after that, I had a meeting with um, a church member. And what was great is in that, in that two-hour window, there were, there were nine people that I knew that walked in and out of there that came over and shook my hand. Five of them were all real estate-related. Four of them were church-related. I love that interaction. So I'm, I'm trying to tell you from personal experience that it's very possible to have normal relationships with people and, and, and be a Jesus follower. It's about what you do with it and how to handle it. And throwing the Bible at somebody has never worked for me. But being their friend sure has. And there is nothing more rewarding to me than to come in here on Sunday and see my friends that had no idea I was a pastor when we became friends. And then they find out, like, oh, 
We need to check you out. We need to go check your church out. And here they are. That, to me, is what it's all about. And so I think that these relationships that we are supposed to build with people is, is how we are supposed to go looking for the lost sheep. And I just want to make this last statement, and we'll shut things down here. Lost sheep aren't bad. They're just lost. Now, it's in my brain. I got to get it out because my wife told me that I needed to say, lost sheep aren't bad. <laughs> and I was like, I had to say it because it was like in my brain, and I couldn't get away from it, so I had to say it. All right? Lost sheep. Now you'll never forget it. Lost sheep aren't bad. <laughs> They're just lost. And I, and I, and I get it that, that everybody's, you know, different degrees and, and, and all of that. I get it that, that and bad is a really relative term. I mean, I understand all that. But please understand the spirit of what I'm saying here. Right? If the sheep had been bad for the flock, the shepherd would not have gone out to get them right? The sheep was just lost. And there are people who have wandered off. And I love that, that mental picture of nibbling away to where they're, oh, I'm out of church. Huh? I don't feel connected with Christ. They're not bad people. They just wandered away. They're lost. More than likely, they'd love to reconnect with Jesus. More than likely, they would really appreciate your friendship. Remember this, everybody has a story. Everybody, think about that. Everybody has a story. And here's what happens. When you know what that story is, you treat them differently, don't you? When you know more about them, when you hear their story, when you know what they've been through, it changes your opinion. And all of a sudden, you become like, wow, I want to invest in that. I want to become their friend. They have a meaningful story. That's why they act the way they do. That's why they've done what they've done. Because it's, 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 it's not as easy to judge somebody when you know what their story is. You're less likely to form an opinion. And I'm going to absolutely step on a landmine here, okay? Three or four years ago. <laughs> I should not. Okay, I'm going to say it. So three or four years ago, gosh, four or five years ago, I reconnected with a friend of mine. His name is Joel. Went to Bible college with him. We became friends on Facebook. Joel is gay. Joel's my friend. We happened to be traveling through Illinois a couple of years ago. I called Joel and I said, man, can I have coffee with you? I want to hear your story. Now, there's... There's nothing in me that is sympathetic to that lifestyle. But I I love Joel. So Joel and I had coffee for two hours. He told me about his journey and his battle and his struggles and his loss of hope and his lost family. I mean, this guy not only was a graduate of Bible college, but he was an assistant pastor. And then he was a pastor in a Baptist church. And then he started a Baptist church. And I won't go into all the details of his journey, but let me tell you the truth. I love Joel, and I still do. 
And I don't get it. I, I really don't. I don't have the answers for you on why Joel is gay. I don't. And I don't, I don't necessarily agree with him being an incredible proponent of it. But I love Joel, and Joel's my friend. And I told you I was going to step on a landmine. And Jesus loves him too. And I don't know what the answer is here. I don't know. I can't figure all of this out. I just know that that's not necessarily my responsibility. My responsibility is to go out and find the sheep. And so all I'm saying is that I think that you can believe the truth and live the truth to the best of your ability and still love people well who don't agree with you. It's called grace. It's called grace. You know the thing that you really enjoy living in? That's what we're supposed to extend to everybody else. Okay? And here's what the real shame of all of this crap is. When the people look at a church as a whole, they look at us as a bunch of judgmental hypocrites. And I don't want that to be me. Because I know the grace that God has given me. And I feel like it's just my obligation to show that was to somebody else. And I don't know who it is in your life, but I'm telling you, forming an opinion about who they are and getting upset with their lifestyle ain't working. We ought to love them and go looking for them and start a relationship with them and carry them back to Jesus if necessary. Did you hear that? Put them on your shoulders and carry them back to Jesus. Because that's why we're here. And that's what Jesus is trying to share us in this parable of the lost sheep. Not because the sheep didn't do anything stupid, but the sheep didn't necessarily do anything wrong. He just wasn't paying attention. And he wandered off. Let's just notice that they're gone. Right? It's like, let's not be happy with the 99 that we have here. So my challenge to you this morning is that before next week, that you make it a point to get out of your comfort zone and in the most natural way you can, start a relationship with somebody who may be lost. Don't force it. Maybe just try being nice. Think of a way to help them. You know, they may look at you funny if you've never spoken to them and say, hey, let's do coffee. You're like, okay. But if you're like, hey, let me grab that meal for you. Just start. Just do little things. Kind of like be like Jesus, you know? One of those things. Let's pray. Wow, God, I don't know um, why you love us so much, and I don't know why you trusted us with the gospel. And I, I just kind of feel like there had to be a better way to get this message out and to love people. But you want to partner with us, and you want to use us to reach this world. And Father, I pray that we would just be on the lookout for 
those that are in our sphere of influence, those that are in our life on a regular basis, that maybe just wandered off. They didn't mean to. They, it just happened. They nibbled their way away. And God, I pray you would just help us to go looking for them on purpose and just be friends and enjoy that relationship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.